I'm Carson Horn, and it's Monday at 10, which means it's time for Talking Tumors on Weagle 91.1. So grab your toilet paper and let's get rolling. Is the sky falling? It's not, but the reaction of many Auburn fans to the Tigers' loss on Saturday at Texas A&M might leave you to believe that it that it might be. However, I'm going to try to bring some sanity to the Auburn fan base today. It is Monday. It is 10 o'clock. I am Carson Horn. This is Talking Tumors. Thank you all for joining today. Of course, we have got an absolute ton of stuff to talk about. We've got to recap Saturday's game and all that was. There are plenty Plenty of questions to ask, plenty of things to get into. I'm going to do all of that. And then we got to preview the Deep South's oldest rivalry. Yes, Auburn plays Georgia this Saturday. Maybe not the news you wanted to hear on your Monday morning after Saturday's show. Then I'm going to talk about what is fair to expect the rest of the season, what's fair to say, what's fair to think as an Auburn football fan, in my opinion, because I know. There are plenty of thoughts out there and plenty of opinions similar to mine, different from mine, and those are all fair. I'm just going to give what I believe is fair to say about this team and this program moving forward. But with that being said, let's dive into this Texas A&M game as we've got plenty to discuss. Auburn lost this game 27-10. to It was 6-3 to at halftime. Offense was hard to come by in this game. Auburn's defense yet again kept the Tigers in this football game. In the second half, they started to to fade a little bit, but I'm not going to complain about this defense. The offense could not get it going whatsoever. One of the worst offensive performances we've seen in recent history, and there have been plenty of bad ones. There were some bad ones at Gus Malzahn era. There were bad ones in the Brian Harson era. This, this goes up there with some of the worst that we've had. And Auburn fans are sick of terrible offense. I get it. I believe, as I mentioned in the intro, that's the reason that you're getting a lot of of takes that you're getting, just because Auburn fans are sick and tired of inept offense. And and Auburn has hired yet another offensive-minded head coach. You want to see good offense. I still believe that is coming. I don't know that it necessarily is going to come this year. We'll see. I do believe that's coming in the future. I'm going to get into the offense full breakdown in in just a moment. A big talking point, though, going into this game was the talent gap. Hugh Freeze talked about it leading up to the game. He'll continue to talk about it. He talked about it right after he was hired, and he has put a lot of emphasis on recruiting because of this. Brian Harson and Gus Malzahn both, both Malzahn struggled offensive line recruiting big time. Brian Harson struggled recruiting completely overall. They they did not leave Auburn in a good place talent-wise. And Hugh Freeze talked about that leading up to the game. He was not setting it up for Auburn to lose. He is just being honest about where this team is at. Now, some would argue that's an excuse. I don't think Hugh Freeze meant it as an excuse. He was simply putting it out there where this program needs to to get. And, and it shouldn't be an excuse for, for the offensive performance on Saturday. No matter what the talent level is, the talent level is good enough to put a better performance out there than we saw. However, it would also be naive of me to say that talent gap was not an issue in this game. You saw it up front. 
with Texas A&M's defensive uh, line and to some extent uh, their offensive line, their weapons at wide receiver. You could definitely see the talent gap there. The, the, the widest talent gap, however, may just have been the quarterback situation, which we'll talk about in just a moment. But before we get into the negatives, let's talk about the positives in this game. I'll start out and give a shout-out to Alex McPherson, uh, giving Auburn its only offensive points of the game with a field goal. Defense got the other touchdown. It wasn't the offense. It was Eugene Asante, and that leads you to the other point. The defense, yet again, was a positive. I've continued to harp on this defense because I haven't believed in them. And look, they still have holes, but I cannot complain about them anymore because of the way they performed. And I haven't been complaining about it. I just have have led you on that eventually there's going to be a collapse. And yes, eventually the defense will have a bad game or two. That's going to happen. It's a long season. But they've continued to exceed my expectations, especially the run defense has been phenomenal. This is a defensive line that I was concerned about. And pass rush-wise, they have struggled. But run defense has been really, really good for this defensive line. And again, it's guys that aren't going to get a lot of credit because they don't necessarily make a lot of tackles. But they're clogging the box, and that's Marcus Harris, that's Justin Rogers, that's Jason Jones. Those guys in the middle of the defensive line are playing very, very well and really are, are forcing teams to have to throw the football. So give them a lot of credit. And then the secondary. Look, secondary's been banged up. It continues to be banged up, and that gives me a lot of concern because there's a lot of young guys out there. But they continue to play at a high level, and... Uh, Obviously, Donovan Kaufman is continuing to be banged up. DJ James went out in this game. Nehemiah Pritchett came back for his first game on Saturday. So I have to give credit to this defense. But who I want to give the most credit to is Ron Roberts. Because just I don't think I'm wrong in the fact that this defense is lacking in, in, in certain positions. They're lacking a, pa- a dominant pass rusher. They're lacking at linebacker. Yet Ron Roberts has been able to design a defense to where they can succeed. And I give a lot of credit to him. He's having to be aggressive. He's having to give different looks. It's working. And so I tip my hat to him. Yes, in the second half, there started to be a letdown. AM found some rhythm in the passing game when Max Johnson came in after the injury to Connor Wigman. But nonetheless, I, I, I can't blame the defense for a letdown when, when at some point when, when the offense is performing at the level it was. And, of course, we can't forget Eugene Asante, as I mentioned, the big fumble recovery that he got to the end zone and got this to a 10-point game in the fourth quarter. I don't know what Jimbo Fisher was doing on the field. Almost took Eugene Asante out. Uh, Asante could have hit him if he wanted to, uh, but that, was, that was, may have been the most interesting and funny part of the game if you're an Auburn fan on Saturday. Okay, with that being said, Let's get into the negatives. Let's get into this offense. And, and let's try to dissect what in the world was the issue for the offense. It starts with Peyton Thorne. He was horrendous. Uh, there's, there's no way around it. He was 6 for 12 for 44 yards. I, I mean, I, I have nothing else to say except he was bad. That's not true. I'm about to, I'm about to talk about uh, him, him more in a second. But... Despite his performance, the play calling could have been better. The game plan certainly could have been better. I'm not here to say that wasn't the case because those things are true. Multiple things can be true. There's never, hardly ever, is there one thing that caused a loss 
or caused an issue. There are multiple things. The offensive line certainly could have played better. But I do believe that the, the biggest issue was the quarterback play. Here's Hugh Freeze's quote. I don't have the audio this week due to it being a road game, but I've got the quote here from Hugh Freeze on Peyton Thorne after the game and on the quarterback. Quote, we had people open, and we either missed them or the pressure distracted us, it seemed. I've got to watch the film and see exactly what was going on to cause that, but we certainly missed a few opportunities in the passing game. We just weren't efficient at all in throwing the ball to open receivers when we had them, for whatever reason. That right there tells you, and, and Hugh Freeze will speak to the media in less than an hour at 11 o'clock. He'll, he'll say more about the quarterback situation and what he saw on film, as he mentioned. But that tells you a lot. Again, it doesn't mean the offense line was perfect. It doesn't mean that they couldn't have been better in pass protection. But it does tell you that, that Peyton Thorne could have done things a lot, a lot better. Many, many times. And you saw RG3, I thought, did an awesome job as commentator on the game on TV, uh, pointing out that, look, Peyton Thorne's got to check the ball down. He's got guys open. Sometimes it wasn't a check down. Sometimes he just straight up had somebody open. and But because his eyes were on the, the, the pass rush, he was not able to see it. Look, I, Philip Montgomery, Hugh Freeze, know a lot more about football than me, so I'm not going to get too much into the X's and O's. But those are some obvious things that I think a lot of people saw that Peyton Thorne just can't do. He's got to be able to hit those receivers. That That's that's basic basic stuff as a quarterback. Look, I'm not saying that I could go out there and, and have the, a big defensive lineman running at me and not be looking down at them as well. But he's an SEC quarterback, and if he wants to continue to be one, he's going to have to improve in that facet because there could have been some successful plays in the passing game if he had been able to hit some open receivers. As far as the offensive line, Hugh Freeze did say this, uh, quote, I thought we did a decent job picking it up, talking about the blitz. It just distracted our our eyes to where our eyes didn't stay downfield with the throws we might have had. So there he goes going back when asked about the offensive line, still pointing back towards Peyton Thorne. So you could say that was pretty harsh criticism from Hugh Freeze, but I don't think he was wrong. So what is the answer, though? Is the answer still Peyton Thorne? Is it Robbie Ashford? Robbie Ashford got a chance there when, when Hugh Freeze essentially benched Peyton Thorne in the second half. Didn't really get much better in the passing game with Robbie with Robbie Ashford. He was one for four, four yards. The rushing was a little bit better. And, and, and the running game throughout was good. It was another pretty good uh, rushing attack from Auburn. You take away the sacks and the yards per carry was pretty solid for this team. The offensive line is actually doing a, a pretty solid job in run blocking. Again, pass blocking, not great, but run blocking has been pretty solid from this offensive line. So, in, in my opinion, if I'm the Auburn coaching staff, I'm sticking with Peyton Thorne as quarterback. I still believe he gives this team the best chance to win. I truly believe the fan base is split on this. I don't know, again, I don't know what the coaching staff point of view is going to be on this. I doubt, I highly doubt you're going to get an answer from Hugh Freeze on this today. We'll see if I'm wrong on that, on what the quarterback situation is going to be moving forward. If Peyton Thorne is still indeed the starter, what he may know, I just don't know if he's going to say it today because of the advantage that he might think it gives the, the team before this Georgia game. But to argue, to play devil's advocate, to argue the point of view of those for, for Robbie Ashford as the starting quarterback moving forward, 
if you believe that this offense just seemed to to say goodbye to the, to trying to pass and just go all in on running the football, then yes, I'd agree with you. I don't think that's the best philosophy, though. I, I think that Auburn still can have success in the passing game. Look, Peyton Thorne was a starter at a Power 5 program for two years. He made it to a New Year's Six Bowl at Michigan State with a good run game and being able to play off of that as a passer. He is better than what he showed on Saturday. I believe he's much better than what he showed on Saturday. And I've been one to say to, to temper expectations for him going into this season. I, I didn't. I said maybe he could be a top-five quarterback in the SEC, but I wouldn't predict that. He's obviously not that at the moment. But he can be better than what he was. It is concerning that at this point in his career did he has he developed a habit of of looking at the pass rush. If he has, that could be a hard habit to break. But I, I'm still holding out faith, and I still believe that this this coaching staff didn't completely whiff on, on bringing Peyton Thorne in as the transfer quarterback and that he can play at a higher level. Again, I'm not even saying he needs to be top five. He just needs to be better than, than 44 yards passing that he was on Saturday. And, and I believe that's the case. If you put Robbie Ashford in there with the way that, that his passing is, I really do think you're giving up on have, trying to have any sort of pa- passing attack. And I don't think that's advantageous for this Auburn offense to have a chance to get to seven wins even this season if they move forward with that. I, that that's my opinion. Again, I know that there are, there are different perspectives on, on this quarterback situation. But if it was up to me, I'd stick with Peyton Thorne. And look, if he continues to go out there and do what he did where it, it looks, again, completely inept offensively passing-wise, then, yeah, you'll have no choice. I'm just choosing to believe he's better than what he showed. Look, I know it was Sanford, but he threw for almost 300 yards. He has the ability to play better, no matter the opponent. I don't care who the opponent is. You, you don't throw for nearly 300 yards and, and and then look like that and not be able to fall somewhere in between. And so we'll see what what happens moving forward. But I think Peyton Thorne gives Auburn the best chance to win still the rest of this season. With that being said, we'll wrap up this first segment. When we return, we'll dive into previewing Georgia in the Deep South's oldest rivalry game this weekend, and again, still to come, I'll still give my thoughts on expectations for the rest of the season, as well as some possible predictions, as well as predictions for Week 5. Stay tuned to Talkers on Weagle 91.1 as we dive into our second segment, and that is previewing Hugh Freeze's first time as head coach for the Auburn Tigers in the Deep South's oldest rivalry. I believe this is the 100th and 28th meeting between the two schools in what is a very historic rivalry and hopefully will continue in the new era of the SEC. I know it will continue next year, but if the current scheduling format continues after next season, this game could be in jeopardy. I hope that is not the case. This is a great rivalry, and for many Auburn students, Auburn players from Georgia, this game does mean more to them than the Iron Bowl. Can't say the same for myself. But I know for many it does. Nonetheless, this is a big game always. Jordan-Hare, despite Saturday showing, I have no doubt is going to be rocking on, on Saturday afternoon at 2.30, kickoff on CBS. 
it, it'll be a fun afternoon. I'll be covering this game again for Weagle, so make sure you follow me on social media at Talking Tumors because I will be uh, posting my article there, uh, videos, images, pictures, uh, whatever I, I, I can get get on Saturday. But with that being said, after, after Saturday's showing in College Station, there's not a lot of hope going into this game. There, there was, it was already going to be unlikely beforehand, but certainly Saturday's uh, performance did not inspire any confidence. But I'll talk about maybe a way that Auburn can pull off this upset. But just first, though, let's dive into a preview of this Georgia team, starting with their defense. Look, Kirby Smart, this Georgia defense is good as always. They're always going to be good as long as he's the head coach there. They don't necessarily have the NFL talent this season that they've had in the past, thinking of guys like Nolan Smith and Jalen Carter, just to name a couple. But they still have guys that are going to go on to the NFL that are very talented. So definitely not a not a defense defense that you can uh, put out of your mind. Their secondary is very good, along with their D-line. I would argue those are the two strengths of their defense. Uh, Malachi Starks and Javon Bullard in the secondary, both first team all preseason all SEC guys, very, very talented. At linebacker, Chaz Chambliss has been impressive to me while watching, watching their film at Jack uh, linebacker. Their pass rush has been a concern for them. They have struggled. That was a concern for Kirby Smart heading into the season, and that has been a consistent struggle for them, similar to Auburn getting pressure on the QB, but their defensive line overall, very, very good, led by Michael Williams. They're big up front. They're talented up front. You want to talk about talent gap again. There's going to be a talent gap between Auburn's offensive line and Georgia's defensive line, and I would argue probably the same flip, uh, vice versa with Georgia's O-line versus Auburn's defensive line. And something Auburn's just going to have to battle with scheme-wise to try to overcome. As for Georgia's offense, they're still trying to figure things out. And look, the level that you judge Georgia on versus the level that, that you talk about Auburn on is it, not the same. So while I'm talking about them still trying to figure things out, it means they only beat South Carolina by, what, 10 points? They only put 49 on UAB this past weekend. That's what I mean by still trying to figure things out. Mike Bobo, former Georgia and former Auburn offense coordinator, is yet again the O.C., for Kirby Smart after Todd Munkin left last season to go be the OC for the Baltimore Ravens in the NFL. They have a new quarterback this season. If you haven't paid attention to the Bulldogs, that is Carson Beck. He's still trying to settle in as the starter. They're still trying to figure out how to play to his strengths offensively. Yes, he's the first-year starter, but I believe this is his third year. I think he is a junior at, at Georgia, he has been in the program. He has waited for his time. You respect somebody like that who has waited for his moment. Is here now. He's going to be very good for the Bulldogs. Their offensive line, like I mentioned, very talented group. They did lose a big piece of that offensive line, though. Uh, Marius Mims, one of the best offensive linemen in the country, did have to have surgery. He is out for a few weeks. He will be out in this game. We'll see if Auburn's able to take advantage of that loss or not. As for the running back room for Georgia, they had a big-time preseason injuries. That room has been banked up uh, throughout this season. We'll see what what they go with. A lot of times the assumption is, 
with a team like Georgia, oh, injuries, it doesn't matter. They've got another five-star. That's That That a lot of times is true. However, that's still you know, you're still having to play young guys, young backs. So not while not ideal for the Bulldogs, they've still had success running the football because of their offensive line. They've got plenty of talent this year at wide receiver. There's been a criticism of Kirby Smart and his offense offensively. It has been their lack of talent at receiver. Well, they added Ra Ra Thomas in the transfer portal from Mississippi State. They added Dominic Lovett from Missouri in the transfer portal. So they've added some weapons out wide. Lab McConkey has been their best receiver the past couple of seasons. He has yet to play this year. But if he's able to go on Saturday, that'll be a big advantage for the Bulldogs against, again, a strong Auburn secondary. And then finally, we can't forget about the ultra-talented tight end, Brock Bowers. Absolutely phenomenal player. Would have been a first-round pick last year if he was eligible for the draft. He was only a sophomore. This is his junior season. He's a mismatch, and I don't know how Ron Roberts will, will look to defend him, but they're going to have to do something because he will eat this defense alive if they do not. So after giving you a preview of this Georgia team, how can Auburn possibly pull off the upset? I'm not going to go a, de- a detailed breakdown. That's really the question that that should be asked because Georgia opened before the A&M game as just under two touchdown uh, uh, favorite against Auburn this Saturday. After that Texas A&M performance, that line continues to rise. But is, is it possible for Auburn to pull off an upset? If they're going to do it, it's going to, again, start with the defense. Didn't think I would be saying this. If you ask me coming into this season how I thought this season would kind of go, I kind of thought, okay, offense will be will be pretty good. Defense probably going to be pretty bad. They'll, they'll have to improve as season goes on. Well, it looks like it's going to be the opposite. So it starts with the defense. I mentioned this Georgia offense still trying to figure some things out. Look, it was, I think, 7-7 at some point with, with UAB against South Carolina. They, they, were, they were down at the half. Their offense has been slow at times. If this defense can stop the run, first of all, and challenge Carson Beck, get pressure on him, this is Carson Beck's first road start. I mentioned that he's not a freshman. He has been there multiple years. Nonetheless, he has not started in a tough road environment like he's going to see in Jordan-Hare Stadium on Saturday. So if he beats you, which he can, if he beats you, tip your hat to him. Force Carson Beck to beat you. Continue to stop the run as this defense has done so far this season and, and see what see what happens. The secondary for Auburn is talented. They're going to be challenged again this week. I would argue, though, A&M had a better, has a better uh, wideout room than the Bulldogs do. But A&M doesn't have a Brock Bowers. So how this defense lines up to defend him in the passing game, as I mentioned, will be key. So start, stop the run defensively. You, you put pressure on Carson Beck, you, and you force a few turnovers. Okay, you've got something cooking there. If the defense can stop this offense and turn them over and put the offense in a good field position, then you've got a shot. This Georgia defense is better than A&M's. So you look at that and say, okay, so you're talking we're only able to put up three points offensively against A&M, and now you're facing a better defense. 
yeah, it, it doesn't sound good. So that's why it's important. Field position is going to be very important. Slowing the game down even again, which Auburn had success doing in, in the first half against Texas A&M. And being able to get points will will be crucial. So again, I'm putting a lot on the defense to put the offense in positions to succeed. However, offensively still has to be better. The defense can only do so much. Offense has to find some sort of passing attack. Yes, this team needs to run the football. But if Georgia knows that this offense is going to run the football on every first down, then you're not going to have success because they're going to be able to load the box because there's not going to be a threat of a passing attack downfield. So they have to find something in the passing game. South Carolina had success getting the ball out quick, quick snap, getting it side to side, getting it to your athlete's hands. I think that could be something that Philip Montgomery and Hugh Freeze try to do more of this week. That doesn't mean you you don't ever take shots downfield. You're still going to have to take some deep shots because you have to force this defense to back up. If these safeties are able to play at 10 yards all game long, it's going to be tough going, even for an offense who has had success so far this season running the football. As I mentioned, Georgia's pass rush has been a weakness for them. But is Auburn going to be good enough to be able to exploit it? That's the question mark. That that could be that's really the only advantage I see offensively for Auburn is that Georgia's pass rush has struggled. But but because Auburn <laughs> Auburn's passing game has been so poor, I'm just not confident they're going to be able to exploit that. Get this game to the fourth quarter. South Carolina was able to do it, but they were at Georgia. Get this game to the fourth quarter. And see what happens. Crazier things have happened in Jordan-Hare Stadium. Slow the game down. It, it may, it's going to have to be ugly again for, for Auburn to win it. I have no, there, there's no way this game goes into the 30s and Auburn has a chance to win it. If Auburn's going to win it, it's going to have to be ugly. Make it ugly. Create turnovers defensively. Put the offense in good positions and get it to the fourth quarter. And see if there's any magic left in Jordan-Hare Stadium to pull off the upset. I think you're going to see a different Auburn team on Saturday. I do. I, I don't think one. I don't think enough has been made of. Well, I know we talked about Peyton Thorne's two worst performances coming against Power Five opponents, but both of those opponents were also on the road. Maybe he's going to be a much better quarterback at home. Maybe he just doesn't have what it takes on the road. We'll see if that's the case. If he is the starter on Saturday, again, that's not a given at the moment. We haven't heard from Hugh Freeze yet. If he's a starter on, on Saturday, I'm assuming that he will be. I think he'll play better. I think this offense will play better. I'm not saying that they're going to go hang 40. Not saying that at all. I'm just saying it won't be worse than what we saw this past Saturday. I think you'll see a better game plan from Hugh Freeze and Philip Montgomery. And Auburn will make this game competitive. I can't uh, predict an upset uh, in this game Maybe it's blind optimism. Maybe it's blind hope because anything that you saw from the Texas A&M game will tell you this game is going to be an absolute bloodbath, and that could be right. That you absolutely could be right that 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 ends up it ends up being a blowout. But I I, I think for whatever reason, but mainly because it's a rivalry game at home, that Auburn's able to put on a better performance, is able to play at a higher level, and at least make this game competitive again. Not picking the upset. But I do think Auburn will at least keep this game close going in to the fourth quarter. And that's big because this is a big recruiting weekend. 
Auburn needs a good environment, so the longer you can keep this fan base bought into this game and keep a good environment is going to be important for the future and, and where this program needs to get to. Alrighty, with that, we'll wrap up the second segment. When we return, I'm going to dive into revisiting what is fair to expect this season. So stay tuned to Talking Tumors on Weagle 91.1. Tumors on Weagle 91.1. I mentioned trying to bring some sanity back to the Auburn fan base, and that is literally what this segment is is dedicated to, trying to put things in perspective, trying to make sense of where things are. I I often get called an optimist and, and that is true. I, I believe that I, I typically look for, for the good in, in all things. But I also see myself as a realist and I think these this is these are real expectations and should be these are fair uh, opinions or thoughts to have as an Auburn fan. I'm sure many will disagree, but this is just what I believe is fair to expect and to think uh, as an Auburn fan this season. Again, this is for for this season and for where this program is at at the moment. It is fair to expect the offense to be better than it was against against Texas A&M. I am definitely not telling you that it's not. It, that was an embarrassing offensive performance. There is no skew, excuse that discredits that. There's nothing you can say that, that Hugh Freeze can say that makes up for for that performance. It, it doesn't matter this your first year. It doesn't matter this, that, the talent. Offense should be better than that. And Hugh Freeze is an offensive coach, and so that puts even more uh, expectations and more pressure on you. Yes, he has given up the offense, he has said, to Philip Montgomery. Nonetheless, the offense has to be better. And the frustration, as I mentioned, for Auburn fans is that ever since Nick Marshall left and after the 2014 season, the Auburn has dealt with just inconsistent and straight-up poor offensive play. And yes, there have been times where it has been really good. There were times with with Bo Nix where there, it was really good. In, in twenty, in, with the exception, I'll make the since 2015, with the exception of 2017 with Jarrett Stidham, that year, and then at times with with Bo Nix. But for the for the majority of time since 2015, Auburn's offense has struggled, and it is it has been a major frustration that this continues into a a, a now you're on your since Gus Malzahn, including him, not including interim head coach Cadillac Williams, your third head coach. Yet offense continues to be an issue. However, we're only four games into the Hugh Freeze era. But when you see when you see Bo Nix tearing it up at Oregon, a legit Heisman contender, I, I've always been a big Bo Nix fan. I'm I'm super happy for him. Uh, I think he made the absolutely made the right decision leaving Auburn, getting away from Brian Harson. Uh, he made the best decision for himself and his career. But it hurts uh, to see to see him uh, not be in in orange and blue. And, and and then you even see guys like I mean uh, Zach Calzada and T.J. Finley even tearing it up uh, where they are. No, yes, they went down a, a, a major level, but it is it is funny uh, and it is it does hurt to to see other guys succeeding. And then you watch other offenses across college football. Now that 
have a lot of success offensively, and you wonder why in the world it, they make it seem so easy. It's not. Look, and Auburn's not the only team. It just it seems like that that is struggling offensively. Look, we know the team on the other side of the state has struggled a lot so far this season offensively as well. Look, even Ole Miss, and I wanted I wanted Lane Kiffin uh, as to be the next Auburn head coach. They struggle mightily offensively against Alabama on Saturday. But I get the frustration, and it is absolutely fair to expect better performance offensively than, than what we saw against A&M. It's also fair to criticize coaching. I have no problem with that. I, they, they're, in this, they're in this industry for a reason. They get that. And look, I, I'll criticize when I, when I think it, it, is, it is fair. But what you shouldn't do is already be calling for changes four games into a season. Whether that's Philip Montgomery, which is getting the most of the complaints from from Auburn fans. Look, we'll make it. They'll make a decision at the end of the season. You don't know. This offense could really turn a corner, and and it may not. We'll see what happens. But there's no reason to make a, a determination on on who should be gone, who shouldn't. For literally four games into a season with a first year head coach, this isn't uh, this isn't multiple years into a coordinator stint or multiple years into a head coaching stint. We're four games in, people, so be patient. It is not fair to already be calling for changes to his staff. It is fair to expect improvement as the year goes on. It is fair to, to see the offense start to take steps in the right direction this week, next week, what, um, you know, moving forward this season. Absolutely fair to expect that. You want to see positive trends. And what do I mean by positive trends? This is a more program-wide um, thought, not just with the offense, although it does apply. With the program, you want to see recruiting heading in the right direction. That, that, is, that is not a guarantee. Look, I, uh, I do think Texas A&M is anecdotal because you do look at recruiting rankings, and usually that aligns in some way with your top teams in the country. So recruiting absolutely matters. So you want to see that heading in the right direction. That That is heading in the right direction for this, this Auburn program. You want to see positive energy about the culture and the team, no matter what the, the record is moving forward. It, again, you want to see improvements on the field. I don't want to see an offensive performance that bad again this season. I want to see the defense continue to improve. I want to see the defense improve in pass rush. I want to see guys get better, players improve, development. Those are the things I mentioned were issues with previous regimes, and those were those those are telltale signs. If player development is struggling, if recruiting is struggling, those those are signs that the program is not where it needs to be, and those were big signs for. Uh, for Brian Harson and a big reason why he was gone after two years. What main a big reason was recruiting, and then on field obviously was another. I also think it is fair as fans to expect Auburn to be competitive with the majority of teams on the schedule. No one in the SEC looks like a world beater. That doesn't mean that Georgia is not going to win the national championship again this season. That doesn't mean that. That Alabama won't win the SEC West, LSU won't win the SEC West, make the playoff. But I have not seen any team so far this season that looks like they can't be beaten and they can't be competed with. No, Auburn does not necessarily have the talent that those schools have. I've said that multiple times on today's show. But they can be competitive. Auburn can be competitive Saturday. Not the way they played 
against Texas A&M. But they can be competitive. They can be competitive at LSU. And I think it's fair to expect that. It's not fair to expect Auburn to win this game Saturday. It's not fair to expect Auburn to win the game in Baton Rouge. But I do think it is fair to expect Auburn to put up a good battle. And then finally, no game nor season is going nor this season is going to guarantee how Hugh Freeze's tenure is going to go one way or the other. It's a very mi- minority bit of the fan base, but yes, you already had some throwing in the towel on the Hugh Freeze era four games into the season after after his first loss. I hate to break it to you, there are many more losses coming this season, and not not just in in Hugh Freeze's tenure, just this season. There's more losses coming. So, no matter what happens this season, that is not going to be a guarantee of what's going to happen in the future. No, I don't want to see 5-7 and seven again, I, like I said before the season. I want to see improvement, whether that's just one game now, and that's 6-6. Six and six, I still stick by my prediction of 7-5. and five. But no matter what happens on the field this year, that's not going to guarantee that, that Hugh Freeze won't be successful at Auburn in the long run, that he's not building something here in Auburn, and, and again, if he turns it around and Auburn wins 10 games, that's no guarantee that that, that Hugh Freeze is, is, the, is the answer for, for Auburn football. It, but it can certainly make you feel that way, and I, and I get that. I understand it is so hard to look at the big picture. And, 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 and in the industry of sports media, it's not fun to talk about the big picture because you can get more clicks, you can get more attention, when, when you're out here talking in, with definitive statements, when you really shouldn't be. And with one year, and I know I made this argument for Brian Hartson some at times too, and so I, I, I get that. However, as I mentioned, there were the trends there, though, that you, that you can look at that can tell you where a program is headed. Right now, off the field, the trends are headed in a positive direction for Hugh Freeze. He needs to, to create those positive trends on the field as well. But nonetheless, four games into a season, the Georgia game, the Iron Bowl, LSU, whatever else happens this season, is not going to define the Hugh Freeze era at Auburn. So I hope with that segment, I was able to bring a little bit of sanity back to the fan base, to bring everyone back down to earth, to reference my intro, the sky, to, to convince folks the sky is not falling. Auburn football, as Cadillac Williams said last season, Auburn football is going to be okay. It is going to be okay. I'm not saying tougher times aren't ahead. There's going to be plenty more tough games this season. Plenty of more frustrating games this year. Could be one on Saturday. But I believe the program's headed in the right direction. You have to be patient. And that's not to take anything away from Hugh Freeze. And Philip Montgomery and Rob Roberts, this whole staff, they need to do better. They know that. That there's no excuse for the performance offensively on Saturday. But I believe better times are ahead for Auburn football. We'll wrap, wrap it up with our final segment of predictions for this upcoming week. Welcome back to Talking Tumors on Week 91.1. Well, last weekend of college football did not disappoint. Yes, Auburn lost, and that put a damper on my day, but it was a great slate of games. Notre Dame and, and Ohio State was a fantastic finish. That was so fun to watch. Arkansas and LSU was an awesome game. Florida State and Clemson. 
it, it was a loaded slate, and it was really, really fun to, to watch it all play out. And this week's another great week of college football as we're, we're really getting into conference play at this point across the country. And starting out, I've got back-to-back Pac-12 predictions. As some would argue, I would not agree with this, that Pac-12 is the best conference in college football. They have a lot of really good teams. It's certainly sad that it is going to cease to exist after this season, at least the way that, that we've known it. But let's all enjoy it this season with all the talent they've got out there. So starting with Utah at Oregon State. Look, Utah's for real. Cam Rising has still, their quarterback, has still yet to play for them this season. Yet they're undefeated. And they beat a tough UCLA team this past weekend. Now they go to Oregon State, who is coming off of a loss to Washington State, which surprised me. I've been really high on Oregon State. Still am. I think the style of football they play will match up well against these higher-powered offenses in the Pac-12 like Washington, USC, and Oregon. But this is a very similar stylistic matchup here between these two teams because both have very good defenses. Both have had, had, had to play a slower style offensively. Utah will air it out and play more spread when they get Cam Rising back, but they've been heavy on the ground without him. I still like Utah on the road at Oregon State this weekend. Their defense, man, it's just been so special, and defense travels give me Utah at Oregon State. USC at Colorado. Well, Colorado got whooped on Saturday against Oregon. And I I wasn't surprised. I picked Oregon to win. I predicted 42 to 10. It was 42 to 6. I was extremely close on that game. And the problem's not Colorado. The problem is those who elevated their expectations for Colorado after they won their first 3 games. What what Dion has done out there is extremely impressive. He, he took a roster that won one game, completely flipped it. You may not agree with the style that he did that he did it with and how he goes about doing things, but just strictly from a football standpoint as, and from a coaching standpoint, he's done a tremendous job. But they were not to the point of the, to the level that Oregon was at. It was never fair to expect them to be at that point in his first year there. So I don't knock Colorado at all for that loss to Oregon. I knock the people who elevated them to to a point where they made people believe that they that they were going to be at a level that they could compete and beat Oregon. Just wasn't going to happen. Now they play at home against USC. The expectation will be that USC would do the same thing to them that Oregon did, and they very very well might do so. But USC was in a dogfight with Arizona State, one of the worst teams in all of Power Five football. On, on Saturday. They they were tied with them, I believe, heading into the fourth quarter. USC might score 100 on Colorado. They also might give up a ton, though, and that's why I'm not convinced that this one will be a blowout that the Oregon game was, but I still like USC to win this one. After all, I, I do have USC winning the national championship. Their defense is, is not giving me the confidence that I need to be confident in that pick uh, moving forward, so hopefully their defense gets it figured out. Then a big one in the SEC East, Florida at Kentucky. Kentucky's undefeated quietly. They're four and zero. Devin Leary, man, I hate I, I, that was a a quarterback that Hugh Freeze tried to bring in. Uh, Kentucky got him. That that one hurts a little bit more now, and he he is doing doing well at Kentucky. They host Florida. Florida, of course, had the big win over Tennessee, but I'm not sold Tennessee or Florida. 
are that great of teams. Uh, so I'm going Kentucky. I, I think Kentucky at home will beat Florida. Florida struggled against an FCS opponent this weekend. I think Charlotte, uh, Charlotte, maybe not an FBS anymore, but a smaller uh, school opponent there with all the conference realignment. It's hard to keep up. Uh, I'm just still not sold on Florida. Yes, that was a big win for Billy Napier over Tennessee. Kentucky offensively has been inconsistent. Their defense has been very good. I look for a lower scoring game here, but I like the Wildcats. Texas A&M at Arkansas. Arkansas really played very well against LSU. They're a confusing team to, to point out, but, but to figure out. They got one of the best quarterbacks, you could argue, the best quarterback in the SEC with K.J. Jefferson. They've got talent on that roster. They showed that against LSU, nearly pulled off the upset in the battle for the Golden Boot, but they've lost back-to-back games. They lost to BYU at home. That's a game they should not have lost. If they had played the way they played against LSU, against BYU, they wouldn't have, but they didn't. So here they are trying to avoid a third straight loss. Then you've got A&M. What's the status of Connor uh, Wigman in this game? I don't, I don't know. He got injured in the Auburn game. But I will say we do know Max Johnson looked pretty good for the Aggies. I'm still debating this in my mind as, as, as I go to make this pick. I'm going Arkansas. I'm, I'm going to go Arkansas in this game. I, I, I don't think they're going to lose a third straight. Remember, this game's a neutral site game. Uh... So it, it is played at Jerry World, uh, where the Dallas Cowboys, of course, play in Texas. So it's a home game for Arkansas, but it's neutral site, really. I'm going to go Arkansas, though. I think maybe they maybe they figured some things out in that LSU game. They don't want to lose a third straight. Sam Pittman doesn't need to lose a third straight. I'm going to go Razorbacks in this one. LSU at Ole Miss. LSU is a team I really can't figure out. I, 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 I don't think Mississippi State's very good. But LSU's performance against Mississippi State two weekends ago is impressive no matter the opponent. And if they play like that, then they then they can win the SEC. They can win a national championship. But they haven't shown that consistently. And so that's why I really I don't know what to expect. Ole Miss, though, you know, didn't had a chance. Everybody thought this is your time, Lane Kiffin. This is your time to go beat Nick Saban and beat Alabama. And they didn't. And they didn't look very impressive at all. But they're back at home. However, Lane Kiffin, his record against highly ranked teams is not very good. Not very good at all. So, all they're at home, I'm going to go LSU. I think this will be a close one. It would be a monumental win for Ole Miss if they can pull this one off. But I'm going to go LSU on the road. I don't have high confidence in that pick or the Texas A&M Arkansas. And that's hard for me. South Carolina at Tennessee, another one that is just mediocrity <laughs> is how I would put it. That's just what it feels like for the majority of the SEC this season. And so this one is a hard game to pick again. But I'm going to go Tennessee at home. Joe Milton in this passing attack has still just struggled to really get things going consistently, even against opponents that they should be airing it out against. Their running game's better this year. I knew there would be a drop-off offensively. There was no way with what they lost. And, and even if you didn't, that they would be able to continue the type of offensive production that they had last season. This season, I will say I didn't expect the fall-off to be as substantial as it has been for the Vols. As for South Carolina, they got the win in a shootout against Mississippi State at home on Saturday night. Last Saturday night, now they'll have to travel to Knoxville. 
I think this Tennessee defense, which is improved, will will be able to get pressure on Spencer Rattler, take advantage of a, a poor South Carolina offensive line. I'm going to go Tennessee at home in this one. Thank you all for listening to today's show, whether you listen live or listening on podcasts. I really appreciate it. There was a lot to get into. I know it wasn't all positive. That's just the state that we are in at the moment. But I always try to keep it um, honest and, and, and share my honest opinion. Whether you uh, agree or not, I try to put things in perspective. And I hope I was able to do that today. I hope you appreciate uh, my opinions and my perspective on all things Auburn. I hope for a better performance on Saturday before we're back on air next Monday as we'll recap the Georgia game and look forward to the bye week is what comes up after the Georgia game. So with that being said, I hope you all have a wonderful week, and we'll be back here next Monday. Thank you for listening to Talking Tumors. Make sure to tune in again next Monday at 10 for another edition. Also, make sure to check out Weagle's 24-hour live stream on WeagleFM.com. And follow us on social media at Weagle underscore AU. War Eagle, and see you next time.